0: you've already had so much information in the uh, Dhamma talks I've given, that first of all, it's natural that you can't remember it. And also, if you try to remember it and can't, there may be a feeling of loss or there may also come a feeling of confusion because you may just remember fragments that always happens until the time that one has the Dhamma so well anchored within that all the connections are made automatically connection which means from one's own personal experience to the meaning in the Dhamma it's made automatically that connection but that takes time of practice until then there will always be some aspect of confusion or some, or in addition, some aspect of ill judgment, wrong judgment now with the information you've been receiving in this course so far what I'm going to do this morning I'm going to recapitulate some of the items and then would like to give you some extra time this morning to inquire about any particular facet of the things you've either heard or experienced yourself which you want to ask about, which you'd like to have another explanation for any of the things that you may have heard that have stuck in your mind just as a fragment and that the actual aspect of it is not quite clear so I'll first do a bit of recapitulation particularly from the beginning but also how it fits together this is a path of purification meditation has to be a path of purification it can be nothing else it is an automatic path of purification in one sense that every moment that we are concentrated nothing negative can arise now the longer we are concentrated and the deeper we are concentrated the more purification takes place this is an automatic happening for which we can only be grateful the longer we do it in terms of years the longer we do it in terms of time hours the deeper we are concentrated the more purification takes place if it's one second of concentration it's one second of purification. Since all of us need a fair bit of purification we've got to keep on doing it. We never come to the time when we can say, well that's enough now. We can only come to a moment when we say, I've had enough of this, but it isn't enough yet. On top of that, we must remember, or we can remember that the Buddha, after this enlightenment, continued to meditate at least every morning. Sometimes, when there was more time during Rain's retreat, he meditated more than just in the morning. That um, can be found in the narratives about his life he then no longer meditated for his own purification, because that had become complete naturally, he meditated for the benefit of people everywhere, so the path of purification is the path of meditation, naturally that's not enough, we cannot Rely on this automatic purification system, because first of all, our meditation isn't concentrated enough. Secondly, we don't do it all day long. And thirdly, if we don't support this purification through our the meditation purification through our daily mental activity our meditation won't flourish it's continually catch 22 we do one it helps the other, we do the other it helps the one so we have the um, opportunity to continue this purification path through our daily thoughts, emotions, and mental and also physical action. The more we do that, the easier it is to meditate. The better we meditate, the easier it is to purify in daily living. The purification starts with the purification of virtue now the word is somewhat misleading because it entails far more than just living according to precept I will get back to precepts further along in the course at the end but virtue entails far more than that and I'm going to recapitulate A few of those measures that we can take I have mentioned them before but I would like to make them come back in your memory now that your minds are far more meditative When I told them to you it was at the very beginning of the course and some of it may not even have registered we often hear but we don't register when we register something it's not just memory that's of course important but just the parrot kind of memory is also not valuable, where we can repeat something. When it registers, it means that it has made an impact, as as, as if it were an imprint. And the mind says something like, aha, that's what I'm supposed to do, okay, I'll try." Obviously, then memory is much easier when the mind has been imprinted. Eventually, it all remains in the mind as part of the mind continuum. Now, in meditation, you must have become aware of your mind continuum. All those thoughts, constantly, constantly, constantly and if you've been labeling them you can see what are they concerned with are they concerned with the Dhamma or are they concerned with the world when that has changed from world to Dhamma then purification of mind has taken place Now the first step is not purification of mind it's the second step first step is purification of virtue Now the measures which we can take if you remember I talked about equanimity as one or the greatest of the four sublime emotional states the fourth one of the Brahma Biharas the divine abodes, but also the seventh one of the sectors of enlightenment, seven sectors of enlightenment. And I explained equanimity to you from two sides one from practice in daily life, where we can see everything as being constantly changing and therefore no longer have to attach so much importance to it that we can actually desist from living on this swing that goes up and down and the other side, the meditative absorption which bring equanimity at a fairly advanced stage so if we haven't got to that yet let's get back to how to actually practice it also in meditation and in our activities in the day and all of this applies to while we are here in the course or while we are living our ordinary lives there should be no difference the only difference here is that we are trying a little harder, little more intensity behind it because the opportunity is given for that.
1: Equanimity
0: arises when we no longer want to keep the pleasant or want to get rid of the unpleasant. That's equanimity. Now how do we do that in meditation? We do that, very simply, with the unpleasant physical feelings. And again, I want to warn, I do not mean by that, that we're going to sit with gritted teeth, going to say to ourselves, I'm going to sit through this, and if it's the last thing I do, I hate it, but I'm going to get through it, that is not equanimity, that is ill will exactly the opposite of what we are trying to learn If we try to do that it won't bring any results other than possibly stopping the meditation right then and there and never coming back to it The idea is something else the idea is looking at the painful feeling because that's now overriding the breath or whatever else is happening. It's more, um, it's stronger than anything else. So we're looking at this painful feeling and we're becoming aware of its inherent nature of movement. That doesn't mean that it's already gone away impermanence does not just mean that something has gone away it also means that but it also means that there is nothing in the whole of the universe including painful feelings which do not have movement in them if you put your full attention on that painful feeling you can discern that movement very clearly it isn't a solid block it has movement in it that movement is the aspect of existence which we have got to come to know eventually in all of what exists to go past our wrong views into insight so here we can start right here with a painful feeling, because that is taking up our whole attention. And our mind is telling all sorts of stories about it. I wish it would go away, and uh, I used to be able to sit an hour without it. Why only 45 minutes now? And uh, it's because we sit too long, too much, too often, whatever else the mind likes to talk about. None of that's of any interest. All that is world. Worldly reaction. Totally normal, totally natural,
1: but world.
0: Meditative reaction is let me get it become acquainted with the nature of this feeling. And as I become acquainted with it more and more, put my full attention on it, really become one pointed in watching it, I cannot help but watch the movement in it. And if I keep on watching the movement, it's interesting. And the resistance to it dissipates. The resistance to it, which is the ill will, the hate, the dislike. Therefore, you can see, you have to make connections. Therefore, you can see that by gaining insight, equanimity arises. I have now gained insight into the nature of this unpleasant feeling that it is a movement and what is it? it's a strong movement if you stroke your knee like this that's a very gentle movement so it's not unpleasant, it's pleasant but if you bang it against the floor that's a strong movement so it becomes unpleasant so the unpleasant feeling is strong and has its own inherent impermanence built in and as you watch that the interest overshadows the dislike and you know now from personal experience that if I were to examine everything that happens more closely with more one-pointedness and discern the underlying nature I would be much more even-minded about it I wouldn't have to dislike now this applies not only to the unpleasant feeling in the knee where we can practice it it applies to any dislike which arises towards other people for instance this is a purification of virtue easily done while sitting here bringing great insight now let's see we sit here and meditation isn't functioning too well sometimes it doesn't, sometimes it doesn't and all of a sudden quite unreasonably a dislike for a certain person arises someone who has said something maybe a week ago or Uh, somebody who has done something yesterday or this morning which we didn't like and we're sitting there with dislike now obviously we are engaged in purification so it must come to our notice immediately that this certainly cannot be purification it's the opposite so let us then use that particular situation again examine it. What is it that has made my dislike arise? How does this dislike show itself? I'm feeling Mm -hmm. against that person. Why? So we can see that there was something happening that we didn't approve of. Why didn't we approve of? what was the reason for that? we will find that we either felt threatened by it that it wouldn't be a support system for ourselves or this is the most likely thing or it is an opinion we have, a viewpoint which was not being supported so what do we learn from that? we learn that our dislike is based on our ego identification the identification we have with our ego illusion and the identification we have with our personal standpoints and viewpoints very interesting as we examine it like that again it dissipates it cannot possibly remain when we are an objective observer and again we can see that insight has brought the purification of this ill will and dislike. now if we keep on doing that during the meditation we will certainly know that we will be greatly benefited by it if we do that outside of, uh, of meditation now let's say we have something that we like very much Maybe we have a very pleasant feeling in the meditation and of course it goes and then we think, the mind thinks Oh, what a pity. I hope I can get that back again. That was really nice.
1: It would be great
0: if I could just keep that all the time. If we have any remembrance of what we've been taught we will immediately realize that this is clinging this is making the pleasant feeling something valuable to hang on to and to search for again and to try to get back so again we can use impermanence the pleasant feeling was there and now it's dissipating next time around we can watch that dissolving watching the dissolving brings purification of view can you see that if we purify our reactions we are also at the same time purifying our views purification of views brings insight when we actually see on the next round after we've lost that one the pleasant feeling has arisen again and we're very carefully observing its nature of movement of dissipation and dissolving we cannot possibly want to grab it can't do two things at the same time obviously that will show us that all that is pleasant no matter what it is in our daily life and we can use that with the food we can use that with the bush what, whatever it is it all has a nature of falling apart the feeling and we don't have to hang on We don't have to cling. If we want to go one step further, we can see that a pleasant feeling is also not solid, just as the unpleasant feeling is not solid. Not that it keeps coming and going, that's lack of concentration. But that even when it's there, it has a nature of movement within we've got to come to that experience one day that all has a nature of movement within if we purify our reactions which is a purification of virtue in the first step we have that opportunity to see a little deeper to understand a little better particularly watching the pleasant and unpleasant feelings in the meditation And then carrying that over into any situation during the day. Now for instance, if we, and this is the guarding and calming of the senses, we walk around in the bush and we see a little wildflower. And because we're bored stiff, got nothing to do, and meditation isn't working we're going to get really interested in this wildflower and uh, we look at the color blue? No, maybe purple no, purple blue and name don't know the name must find out, must ask somebody maybe they have got a book here somewhere about it then only one, must be more than one I look around, maybe you can find ten or twelve of them very nice and uh Then one wonders, oh must be some more of them, must not just have one or two or twelve of them. There must be more of them. So we'll take a walk and see if we can't find some more wildflowers. So now (coughs) in a meditation course is a wildflower course. Before it gets that far or even half that far, watching that now the mind wants to get interested in something that the senses are providing in this case because there isn't much to be provided otherwise it's the eyes they're providing something so the mind wants to get into that wants to really know about it so that it has some diversion that it has some um, distraction now obviously we need our eyes in order to keep the body safe. But when we want to find out about the underlying truth of the universe, we need to find out about that too. So the first thing that we can find out is that the mind is looking for destruction. The second thing that we can find out is that the eye itself, the physical eye does not know that this is a flower never mind a wildflower never mind that there's only one there the I itself knows nothing it's a mind that knows that and it's a mind that wants to be entertained now because the mind is the one that is going to get distracted, the mind that's going to start working in every direction, wherever it can see, can get, in a latch onto something that the eye sees, that's why purification of virtue means guarding the sense, so that the mind does not get involved, because the next step is then if I just take one of those and put it in my garden nobody would know about it and I would have a nice little flower in my garden. So now craving has arisen. I'd like to get one. I'd like to have one. Guarding the senses as purification of virtue. But realizing that the mind is the culprit and not this I here is purification of you they always work together we never stop at one when it has been done the minute we have purified in one way the next purification takes place it's an automatic progression if we work on it it never stops until there's nothing left to do So guarding the senses guards our mind. Once we have understood that the senses aren't getting excited, the eye doesn't get excited, does it? The ear isn't getting excited about anything. It's the mind that can get excited about it, interested in it, wants to know about it, wants to forget about having to meditate, wants to get all other things that can entertainment so we have realized how we operate through having tried to be careful with what we look at the same is with sound now sometimes there is hardly any sound although there is never none there is always some sound but other times there is quite a lot of sound Um, this must be the um, um, sleepy time for all these uh, little creatures but uh, mornings and evenings they are quite noisy so if we put our attention on that the mind gets totally distracted guarding the senses in this way makes it easier to guard our senses when we walk down one of those wonderful shopping malls and see things all over the place which look so enticing and have so much color and uh, cost so much money and uh, eventually have to be renewed again I walked with um, a very nice um, monk one time in what was it I think it was in Hamburg And uh, we walked through a very elegant shopping mall. It just happened to be the the shortcut to walk through there. And he looked at the windows and all the things they had, and he said, isn't it marvelous how many things there are that I have absolutely no use for? (laughs) I thought it was a very nice statement. We have to train ourselves, though, because the mind is um, extremely impressionable. And because we don't hear Dhamma very often, we are impressed with what the world tells us, instead of being impressed with the Dhamma. The world tells us that all that stuff that is there to be seen, to be heard, to be smelled, tasted, and touched is wonderful useful makes people happy so come on be a part of it life be in it and so we don't examine it no examination at all because we are impressionable We are impressionable because that's our mode of living, the world. An Arahant has many descriptions. One of them is to live in the world but be untouched by worldly conditions. Obviously, that's not possible for us at this time. But if this meditation is to succeed some of this, will have to be practiced. Nobody expects or can or should expect perfection. All we can expect from ourselves is effort. And a little bit of understanding why. Because if we don't understand why we won't do it. So one of the purifications of virtue is guarding the senses because it will bring the purification of view about ourselves and also it will reduce craving and by reducing craving it will reduce dukkha dukkha is always caused through craving now when we see something and it's really nice maybe we don't want it but if we have a pleasant feeling we want to see it again so we are going to get busy trying to see it again when we hear something it sounds really nice maybe there is nothing to be had we don't want all these little creatures we want to hear it again so we get busy trying to find it the same in daily life naturally we don't plug up our ears and uh, glue up our eyes but we can guard the content we can be a little more careful because we know that the mind is just going to respond particularly when our meditation is supposed to flourish and it will carry over in daily life and it is then not a denial of one's wishes it is a disinterest in all the things which are available and all the things that can be seen and heard because one knows it's only going to get the mind working again in a worldly direction and it never has brought any peace yet so here we have guarding the senses while we're trying to meditate if somebody talks not to listen it's only going to upset their own mind nothing else if there is some nice sound not to try to explain it but just to hear sound there is something to see to see and go past that practice if it is a little success continued in daily life Brings so much peacefulness to life. We don't have to go here and there to find something nice. That nice that we want is all in here anyway. It's not out there. That sense contact. So when we have this understanding of those two things, the first, the reaction to pleasant and unpleasant feelings with equanimity because of understanding their inherent changeable nature and guarding the senses because of our understanding that the sense contacts start or create new reactions in the mind when we have done the first two steps of the purification of virtue, which immediately brings purification of view of ourselves. We can't help but see ourselves in a different way. One other thing that we can use Is our own understanding, that really deep understanding, that only we ourselves are responsible for our own happiness and unhappiness. In other words, if we get that quite clearly into our mind, that all resultants which are ours now at this moment have been created through our own thoughts, deeds and actions. Then we will become more careful. This being careful, in other words, being afraid to do anything wrong. The shame and fear I've talked about. Is the fear of doing anything wrong because it's only going to hurt myself? Now this again, having understood this, brings purification of you because it shows us cause and effect. Once we get to know cause and effect from the ground up we will see ourselves as cause and effect and when we see ourselves as cause and effect we already see much clearer some of that lump me gets a little shaken so this fear to do wrong starts with the fear to think wrong now what's wrong? there's a great um, misunderstanding about knowing what's right and what's wrong. People often think, well, I'm not supposed to react to nice feelings or unpleasant feelings. I'm not supposed to uh, dislike anybody. I'm not supposed. I'm supposed to love everybody. I'm uh, not supposed to um, have any views and opinions. So everything must be all right. It's unfortunately foolishness. It's a logic which doesn't work out. Because if everything is all right, I could break all five precepts and still be all right. The answer is quite a different one. We must be able to discriminate between what's right and what's wrong. But we have no business hating anything that's wrong that's the answer to loving everybody which is an ideal and not a reality just yet that's the difference between um, not hanging on to pleasantness and not resisting unpleasantness we know what's right and what's wrong otherwise we would think killing is right we can't go to such an extent where we have no further discrimination between that which is wholesome and unwholesome but the hate of the person who may be doing something wrong that needs to be let go this is an important point which sounds when you look at it like a truism but unfortunately often misunderstood so here when we come to the point where we realize we are the effect of our own causes then the fear can arise and the shame to think, speak, do anything that could be harmful now those are our three doors think, speak, do nothing else, that's all we've got we've got mind, speech and action they're called the three doors They are all, now again, when we watch them carefully, we will find out they are all generated by mind. Think. The thought is the one that generates the speech and the action. Nothing else. So again we will then, in a course such as this, watch the thinking. In the meditation itself. What's wrong in meditation? To think anything is wrong we want to be concentrated so when we don't make the effort maybe shame could take over if that's helpful or the fear could take over that time is very limited in one's life not to waste the opportunity whatever helps if. That helps one to realize how very limited our opportunities in time are. Just because one isn't 80 yet doesn't mean that one's got a long life ahead. Anybody has a written guarantee how long they're going to be around? Nobody. I love to go to old cemeteries. I think they are so interesting and you can find people there, buried, after two hours, one hour of life, one year of life, a hundred and ten years of life and anything in between, anything at all and on the old cemeteries they sometimes give a little story about the people. It's very interesting It takes away some of that solidity of oneself. Any day now, and oneself could be there. And all these old cemeteries are not in very good condition, nobody looks after them, nobody cares. (laughs) Mm, That's us. The Buddha said there are far more dead people than live people. Time is at a premium. Now is the time to do it. So when we use that as an incentive to realize that we shouldn't waste it on unnecessary thinking, on possibly even unwholesome thinking, we can then also transfer that into our daily living. Time is at a premium. What am I doing with it? Am I actually using it to my and other people's advantage? Or am I just living from birth to death trying to have it as easy, comfortable and pleasurable as I can possibly afford it? What am I doing with my time? Shame and fear are the two guardians of the world. They could be our own guardians. They could guard us from wasting this precious human life and being afraid to waste it being afraid to do anything that's wrong because it will go against our purification and the same applies here in the meditation these are the first steps the purification of virtue steps there's far more to this than that but that's enough right now now what I'd like you to do is see whether any points that you remember through the days that I have talked to you whether you would like as any for any of them some clarification some more detailed explanation well not everybody has that idea you mm-hmm. may not have it, but m- many people um, that I have <coughs> that are in, in have some knowledge of Dhamma. Misunderstand this
1: this teaching where
0: you're not supposed to hate but to love, where you're not supposed to hang on to pleasant feelings nor reject unpleasant feelings, where you're supposed to learn equanimity and possibly have some. Misunderstand that by thinking that means that whatever anybody does is okay. And have no and lose all their um, willingness to discriminate or their ability to discriminate. Either way, we don't lose ability; we just lose our willingness to discriminate. That is a total misunderstanding. Our discrimination has to remain with us, but the hate of that which is wrong that has to go. In other words, you can understand. That there's a crime and you know that there's a crime and you can dislike the crime but you don't hate the criminal so you have to know what is right and what is wrong in order to practice it yourself if you don't know you can't practice it when other people do something which you don't agree with that's their problem But you don't then have to think, well, I have to agree with what they're doing because I'm supposed to love everybody. You can love those people also if they're doing things that you do not agree with. A mother loves her children whether they bring home very good reports from school or dirty up the whole kitchen floor. Either way, she loves them. Is that clear?
1: The love that counts, but the discrimination has to remain. Okay, what else? Yes, Angela.
0: Yes, the grasping and also the entertainment aspect of it. Yes, yes. But if you were to look at a tree, and you can see that some part of the tree is dying, Um, and some part of it has new shoots, and some part is just there. You can see birth, decay, and death. And that's fine. That's using the Dhamma, the mind in the Dhamma. But if you look at the tree and you think, gee, that's pretty, I wish I could paint that now. Well, I really, I didn't bring my stuff with me. Next time I come here, I'm going to bring all my paints with me. And uh, then start thinking like that. Then it's entertainment.
1: You know. mm. The Buddha did not
0: regard shame as an unwholesome emotion He regarded it as a guardian He regarded that our inner shame guards us from behaving in a dreadful manner Now, when shame is lost and that does happen with people whose minds are not long, no longer functioning properly for instance they can do some horrible things which we would never do we'd be ashamed to do them so we can use that for ourselves too if we use it for ourselves we have a strong incentive it is like um, it's like as if we are really watching ourselves and as we watch ourselves we can agree to some of the things that we think and do and other things we may not And shame is a very um, strong incentive to let go. The Buddha uses it, for instance, um, when he gave similes for five ways of getting rid of um, discursive or distracting thoughts. The first way is the substitution. I told you that already. When the carpenter or the carpenter's apprentice takes out the uh, plug in the wood which is too small and puts on a bigger one. But the next step is, similarly given, is that uh, a young couple dressed up to their teeth in beautiful clothes are coming out of the house to go out, and when they're outside they realize that each one has the carcass of a dead animal hanging around their neck. Well, naturally, they're ashamed to be seen like that. So they quickly run inside again, take off this carcass around their necks, clean up their clothes, clean up themselves and come out again nicely. Now that's a shame for our thoughts.
1: And that is,
0: the Buddha considers this a very positive Well, I would say that 50 years ago it would have been silly to go in a bikini because everybody would have looked at you and pointed fingers at you. And today it would be silly to go in a a bathing suit which goes down to your uh, ankles. So uh, with the outer conditions you go along with what society happens to offer. In Thailand you've got to do the right thing, otherwise everybody's going to look at you and think you're not a very nice person. So it's much nicer to go along with it. So with social conditions, it seems a much uh, more sensible thing to go along with them as in the place where you live, so that you don't have extra difficulties. But um, uh, the shame that the Buddha is talking about is our inner, I feel sure we can use the word conscience, our inner conscience, which tells us quite clearly what's right and what's wrong. We just don't listen. Uh, we know exactly we all have a conscience and that's what he's calling that I think the word conscience might be a much better
1: uh, word for this does that work better conscience mm. social Mm. Right, right.
0: Yes, I, I can see that. So, actually, what's meant is conscience. Let your conscience be your guide.
1: That's a very nice old dismissal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's always of the and and the Mm-hmm. That's right.
0: yeah and uh, when it when you see now for instance if you have a situation where others are doing things which are right to them and they are quite happy with it but you yourself don't feel happy with it it's perfectly all right to have your own um, way of doing things. One doesn't have to go along with what others are doing, but one doesn't have to try to convince them of anything else, well, neither does one have to try to um, dislike for what they're doing. So if it's of for their benefit what they're doing, let them do it, it's fine. But if it's not for your benefit, do something else. You know. So we don't have to Ever become irate or angry or, or um, upset about what others are doing? Maybe it's fine for them, and if we think it's wrong, well, we don't have to go along with
1: it. Yes. What is that?
0: I still don't understand it. What did I say?
1: Mm-hmm. Grief. Grief is clinging.
0: Yeah, grief is clinging. Clinging is grief, more likely. <laughs> yes, or end. What you are asking is a result. What you need to ask about is how to get to that result. And also your question sounds as if you don't believe that clinging provides grief. So the question is wrongly put. Either you should ask me why is clinging grief or you should ask me how do I get rid of clinging but not, what can you substitute for clinging? So your question actually at this moment is I don't believe that clinging is grief, right? Make sure that it is (laughs) or maybe that it isn't
1: (laughs) Yes Yes,
0: of course, everything we do here is utterly normal. To be totally distracted and not meditate properly is utterly normal. This part of the Buddha leads beyond the normal human reaction to the transcendental understanding where this problematic of the human uh, life and the human mind is transcendent. So, all of this is totally normal, but that doesn't mean that that is um, very um, helpful for our peace of mind nor is it conducive to our happiness, it's just normal,
1: sure, it is. You see,
0: it's perfectly normal not to be on a path of purification far less people on it than there are than uh, than there are not it's totally normal not to it's also totally normal not to meditate
1: all of this is absolutely normal see when you
0: watch for instance if you were to watch birds in the forest and not think oh I'm thinking. pretty I wonder what kind they are this one looks especially nice. Can it sing? Do we have a book about it? No, nothing like that. That's entertainment. But if you watch the birds, how they move around their heads because they're scared that something bigger than them is going to attack them. How they quickly eat their food, very, very quickly, so that it can't be stolen. It's normal. That's the way a bird lives. Whether it is peaceful or happiness-producing, I don't
1: know.
0: Oh, the way we live is also normal. But that's whether it is peaceful or happiness-producing is a second question.
1: It is very interesting, by the way, to watch the birds within the Dhamma
0: to see their fear and to see their uh, anxiety for survival and to see how they do act very much like human beings so what else? What else from all the past days has residual questions about it which are unresolved?
1: Uhm. Mm-hmm. Takže mm-hmm.
0: Quite true. The Buddha said the body is a cancer. Not that it has cancer or can have cancer. He said it is a cancer. It's an outgrowth of craving. We wouldn't have it if we hadn't craved to have it. So it is uh, a misery. Yes. But remember, the Buddha also had a body, and became enlightened in it.
1: So it is. Uh,
0: has its good and its bad parts.
1: Actually, our is practically all things because after study, so I can that the are so Yes. Can be made so we are made up, made up of data of things, aggregates, and we expect aggregates. That's right,
0: that's right, exactly, that's exactly the way the Buddha describes it. Now if you remember, I also talked to you about the five aggregates and um, it's quite true what Frank is saying that we're all trying to find happiness in those aggregates and uh, it's impossible because that's why we're constantly disappointed because we're always expecting something which can't be behave. Now I also gave you the idea that you could use that as a meditative process to see how those five, uh, sorry four, not the body, the four uh, of the mind work together and uh, whether there's an owner and it's also very helpful to find out whether it is happiness you. And if we feel now these are purification of view they are the third step so far we've had three steps Purification of virtue, which I've just reiterated, then there is purification of mind, then there is purification of you. And uh, I feel that we really have had so much input that you need all you need is a um, re-explanation of it all, so that some of it may stick a little better.
1: Do you have any any
0: other questions you're quite right signed what you're saying that's also part of the whole Dukkha assembly that we're in but it all disappears Our f- not the Dukkha but our feeling of it when our expectations disappear
1: and we don't have the expectation then that disappears too so come on you must have some questions Sí.
0: The key is the watching the breath. That's that's watching the breath, that's the key. But that's not the meditation. So when you watch the breath, that's the key. When you watch it long enough, you stick it in the key or open the door, and you get pleasant feelings. Do you get pleasant feelings? Sometimes. Can you stay on them? So what you have to do, you have to try and stay on the pleasant feelings longer and then you are inside the the house where you are um, getting into the first room
1: (coughs) The breath is the key to open the door Well, the
0: first jhana has five uh, factors which I explained And the overriding one is the the rapture, bliss, uh, delight, which is um, based on physical feeling.
1: It's physical feeling. And when you get it, there's no doubt you've got it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You don't have to think, is it this one, is it that one? (laughs) It is. Yes. That's right, in that case it would be Yes, you can get
1: it Then you stop the sweeping Go to that feeling Sorry Yes No
0: Sweeping is a technique Which I have in the past Taught in the courses. I ha- this is the first time I haven't taught it um, because I feel that you're getting too much input for what for the for the uh, experience that you have. Um, I have usually taught it. It is a very helpful technique. It's a substitute for watching the press and it can bring the same results out of it. But some people have. Learned it and just tr- use it in the, practice, the tr- instead of in
1: practice. Yes. As soon
0: as you can walk, you don't need a crutch, and as soon as you have had this uh, had the breath as you uh, use it as your key, you've got it long enough, you don't need the key
1: anymore, you know, you can the house door is open, and you can
0: be, can go into the absorption, so first the crutch, then the key, and in the end neither, and as you go through the absorption and come the, um, I've only explained the first four to you, seeing that I don't think it's necessary to explain something that isn't happening. So, um, um, as we go through them, different mind states arise. But uh, the crutch is: as soon as you feel that there is uh, no need for the crutch,
1: Really mm-hmm. not, I have to no. call away okay. by yes, the yes. start automatically, like, uh, I usually use football, and mm-hmm. a month of work, try to read in and in and I usually, when my education is good, stay away by itself, and I reach a good concentration. I don't want to be Yes. yes, but
0: some people deliberately let go. It doesn't matter whichever way. When you feel this is okay now, I don't need this, it falls away. You know. And uh, you see also the thing is that although you don't know that you are doing it deliberately, you are doing it deliberately. Yes. It can't fall away by itself. The mind has to make a decision but it's so quick and so fine that you're not aware of
1: it. The mind has
0: made the decision, the breath will suffice. But some people have to make a more stru- a stronger decision as they know they've to look, made it to look And that's fine.
1: doesn't matter. Can I just mention one thing struggles, I the I the people who have noticed the in the, the, day, the, the was a young five months to a to, <coughs> to, <coughs> to start playing. And you couldn't have uh, it After 30 years, I the here to use my i the I'm going to come to I'm the i the I'm to the i to to the the because, because the <coughs> When was he that? Tour, his heart became warm, he became happy, he became comfortable. Like he didn't judge, <laughs> 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 because he was useless So, this story made in <coughs> coming to meditation the yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a nice story. It was a, nun. Right? Yeah. a nun. It was a It nun. was a nun. Yeah, oh. It was nun. <laughs> <really interesting. laughs> <coughs> But just to listen to the question, the problem is the they are all yeah, We want to capture the very strong emotion and interesting in the physical world feeling emotional comes from the heart, the really I see it, but we want <coughs> emotions from the mind, over the edge of the heart, the emotion just the breath, doing I guess measure uh, feeling something like that, so the emotion long uh, uh, sort of uh, um,
0: that's uh, that's quite true the uh, faith person the person with faith has it much easier person as i said already I explained to you the five spiritual faculties, faith and wisdom have to balance. The faith person is a greed person, and they have it much easier. Life is much easier for them, meditation is much easier for them. That doesn't mean they're going to get rid of their greed, (laughs) they need a lot of wisdom to get rid of it, but it is a much easier path. And uh, devotion and gratitude are all matters of the heart. And they are very, very helpful, but not for everyone. They're helpful for the greed person, not for everyone. There are people who need to know and others who need to feel. Now, as I explained earlier already when I was explaining faith and wisdom, we all have to balance both. We have to balance the faith with the wisdom. And the person that has more faith can easier get into the journal. that's true. Much easier,
1: yes.
0: <laughs> yes, that's quite possible. <laughs> I think that's quite possible. But you see, the um, um, helpful aspect for that is supposed to love it to be the loving kindness that you give to yourself at the beginning of each meditation. And if you've forgotten, please remember. And it doesn't just have to stop with just being loving of oneself one is appreciative of one's efforts one is appreciative of the teaching one has the possibility of feeling protected by Buddha, Dhamma, Sangha there is a protection going on which is um, invisible but uh, still it is existing and with that we can feel secure and safe we have many, um, many options of how to use this uh, loving kindness for oneself. Most people find it quite difficult to have a w- warm, loving feeling for themselves, so they need to use all sorts of other things which are just as valuable. They also a gratitude that this opportunity, where one has this opportunity for growth, this is supposed to help to bring the mind onto a calm state. One of the things that, if we're talking about how we get into the jhana.
1: Go inside
0: instead of outside. The jhanas, the purification, the happiness, it's all happening within. Nothing is happening out there. Nothing. Thoughts are always out there. The out-breath is always out. Keep it close. Don't go far. Everything that is thinking is all about something outside. Going inside it's the, um, is the um, you know, sort of a, the handle, coming aware of oneself within, becoming aware of what goes on within, when it's thinking, that's not within, thinking is about something out there, it's always out, but what goes on inside is always feeling, so that's uh, a point which may be um, helpful. It's very difficult to say <laughs> how to do it. <laughs> the only thing that one can say is become concentrated. But there are many ways of many helpful things to do. And this beginning of loving kindness of concentration, beginning everything with that, loving kindness of meditation, can entail also a feeling of um, being in the right spot at the right time. Uh, having an opportunity which is um, maybe unique, that type of thing, that also helps, all of that helps. But then the main thing is in, not out, feeling, what am I feeling, and going in there. You know, when one becomes skilled at these pajamas, you don't need the key at all. I mean, the breath is nothing particular, is it? We are all breathing. And before we started this meditative thing, we never thought about it. Unless we were having coughing or having asthma or something horrible. But we were all breathing. So there's nothing really special about it. It's just a key. And you can use any other key also.
1: Maybe I'll tell you one more thing. Yes. Yes I heard that
0: Yes Well it's the same with the breath isn't it while we're breathing Um, If you haven't got any concentration going after these days if it's really really difficult and if, if you're getting somewhere with it if you're satisfied contented which is by the way part of purification also to be contented If you are, go ahead and do what you do.
1: But if you feel um, that
0: it hasn't improved at all, there's one other way I will tell you about. There are 40 different meditation subjects that you can use. I'm not going to tell you 40 meditation subjects. That would make confusion even more rampant than it is. But I will tell you one other one. And that's a color disc. And you have, to, you have to be a visually inclined person. You have to be a person that likes or that easily can visualize whatever you tell the mind to visualize can visualize. If you're not that way, don't even try. It's useless. But if you have that kind of mind that visualizes and likes to visualize, you can use a disc, something round, any size that you want to start with, something like this and imagine that in front of you use gold color if you can white is alright there are other colors but gold or white and then enlarge this make it bigger and bigger and bigger and make it big enough to sit in it now this is strictly geared towards calm and serenity this particular um, method it's just a method Methods are methods by any name and as you get it bigger and bigger you become interested in it and can stay with it and you make it big enough so that it completely fills you in other words it surrounds you you're sitting in it and then you lose the idea of watching this color disc there is only the color disc and if it's gold it's sitting in this gold huge round Thing. And as you are sitting in there, the, med- the concentration may have become strong enough to go towards the inner feeling. It's just another way of doing it. If you are satisfied with watching the breath, please continue. If you are getting to go to the first uh, absorption and are contented with it, do it. Don't change. and doesn't change horses and mix strains. But if you're thinking that your horse is talking too much and that you're liable to fall off any moment, try that. Too. But only if you have a visually inclined mind. If you don't have a visually inclined mind, you're going to find it so difficult, you're going to think, well, this is nonsense. I can't do that. But many people do have visually inclined minds. They can, you know, see something, like you can see your own house easily and you can see anything you want to put them mind. To. You can try it
1: called Kasina.
0: And the Buddha taught forty different methods of meditation, but there are only two directions, calm and insight. You've got to become calm, you've got to gain insight. And the purification, the path of purification, leads to both. To
1: calm and insight. Is that all clear? (laughs) Ha <laughs>
0: has nothing to do with the method anymore. The method that you used was fine because you got into it strongly and immediately. What's wrong is that the ego does not want to drown. You see, the ego has to drown momentarily, or be drowned momentarily, while we're in the absorption. But when it isn't ready to do that, it comes right out. You have no ego confirmation or support while in the, or little, very little uh, while in the first three absorptions the observer is there and that's the ego support in the fourth you don't even have that to such an extent that you can't notice it but here the problem is that you're facing is that the ego keeps coming up because it wants to think again so that it has stronger support so maybe if you can uh, understand Maybe if you think about that, the Buddha had no ego at all, or something like that, because that meant enlightenment, no, no feeling of me in there. Maybe that might help to drown yours for the duration of the meditation. It, if that is the problem, your method is no lo- is not wrong. Your method's fine. It's doing it. Your method can only get you, get you to open the door. That's all. To stay inside the house, but you've got to do them on your, own, on your own. And that means that you have to let that ego really go. I want to think.
1: How would, would that so Yes, yes. How can you have to mm. to Sure. Mm. Mm, yes. uh,
0: Well, the only suggestion that I have, because you are devoted apparently to the Buddha and get that pity from visualizing the compassion of the Buddha, then maybe you can visualize at that same time also the compassion that is possible when there is no ego, and maybe you can make some sort of a determination, I'm only giving you some ideas, that you would like to have the same kind of compassion without an ego, and maybe that might help to stay in there, maybe even knowing that that's what this may help. No, no, you're supposed to think all this beforehand. <laughs> Not while you're doing it. this is all when you're doing this when you're using this all method this all beforehand and then let it roll. and also the thing is that if you keep coming out, can't you go right back in? I
1: don't, I just keep flipping yeah okay,
0: you'll have to keep on probably doing that for some time. You keep on getting in and pushing the mind giving
1: but maybe that
0: little thing that I was talking about at the beginning it may be helpful I don't know you see we all have to find our own triggers so you can try but at least you know what's the problem it's the me so strongly uh, anchored so deeply rooted which doesn't it's always in the way it's so lovely isn't it to have the experience and yet the me is another,
1: it pushes one out So
0: maybe that gives you the insight to realize what a burden, what a nuisance this ego illusion is. To get that insight from it,
1: it's useful. See how
0: what a nuisance it is, it prevents one from having complete happiness. Which you don't get yet in the first, but at least you get something. (laughs) Here. After
1: the one, the
0: inside technique, I didn't hear the rest.
1: Yeah, what is it? What is the thing? Sorry? Oh, right,
0: right, I see. Um, That was from my mind right now. (laughs) Um, Successful in what way? It gives you concentration. Does it? Yes, and it keeps you from thinking about the future. Right. Uh, Okay, that's fine. Uh, Does it also give you insight? Yes, all right, that's fine, Um, sure, it's all right to use that, but if you keep on using only that, it may also have detrimental results. Maybe the the detrimental result, if the inside isn't strong, if the inside is strong, it's very good. If the inside is strong, it will show you that there's really nobody owning all this stuff. But when the inside isn't quite that strong, it can also result in um, a feeling of disgust and that's very detrimental so don't use it only Don't always counteract it with loving kindness towards yourself Right? This, um, the thoughts that are going into the future well can you watch them in their inherent nature of impermanence how they come and how they go the thoughts themselves and also see that you being now cannot possibly be that what the future is. So the two n- don't have any meeting place. They're all fantasy. There's no meeting place because you now and the thought of the future, that what's supposed to happen there in the future, never get together. By the time you are there, if you're entirely different, So you can see those two things, you can see the impermanence of the thought itself and also that you have no way of being together, the two things cannot be together and then